one is the kid Ferrari Simmons. And I am your favorite Ethiopian Sue Solo. Oh, y'all, playing, y'all playing with me today. Okay. It's all good. It's OTT right here, Octavia, to be more exact. And we are joined by the one and only award-winning rapper, songwriter, actor, author, activist, the incomparable, Common. Welcome to the Ball Alert Show, man. Hey, peace. What's up, y'all? Thank you for that intro. Yo, that's that's dope. But that's, that, felt, that felt good the way you said that. I appreciate that. Okay. So, Common, first of all, thank you for coming through the Ball Alert Show podcast. Obviously... It's homecoming season, and we would be at homecoming if it wasn't for COVID. So we are here chilling on Zoom with you, and we definitely have to talk to you about your HBCU experience. Um, I went to FAMU, um, and and I stayed there for like almost two years. Uh, I got first; it was one of the greatest experiences in my life. Like I got to meet just black people from all around the country, which I didn't have that experience before because I was just you know, grew up in Chicago and just didn't get to travel that much. So just to be in college and meet all these people that's from from Detroit, from Alabama, from from Miami, like it just was Jacksonville, just Atlanta. It was just so many people and just we all were inspired and probably inspired by school days and, and you know what a different world was and you know the black college experience that we saw you know, being portrayed by by people who had been there but became big people. We just, man, it just, it hit home. It changed my life. I had a self-pride that that, that heightened. And um, I, w- I would endorse it and encourage it to anybody. My daughter just graduated from a, from a, from a HBCU. She graduated from Howard, so. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, 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 okay. um, I'm, I'm to talk about that. Um, but I do want to know, being that you came from Chicago, was college a big conversation for you as a kid? Did you know you wanted to go to an HBCU? Yeah, well, yeah. see, the thing is, my mother was a teacher. She she retired now. She was a principal and an and a English teacher. So academics was strong for me no matter what. No matter what else I was pursuing, I loved basketball. You know, I, I love hip hop culture and rap, but I still had to do good in school. Even when I left school, I was like, I basically had just got straight A's the semester before. So I was really focused and I had no choice, to be honest. I had to go to a black college. My mother went to Central State and my father went to Wilberforce. They met in Zenia, Ohio at the two black colleges. So it was like, it was written for me to go there. I could have fought it, but it was naturally what I felt was the right place for me. Um, and, you know, the professors overall just treated me, treated us, black students, like they were empowering us and they were like encouraging us and was like giving us a, a heightened level of of what what abilities we had and was teaching us about ourselves, you know. So it was, you know, it was for me, there's certain moments in my life that I look at and be like real pivotal and be in some of the greatest moments and that definitely... Be, being at fam was was for surely it, and I hey, I went back and um, got to speak at the graduation um, in 2019, which was amazing. And they also made you and um, awarded you with the honorary doctorate as well, right? Yeah, that was look. I ain't gonna front. I was like, ooh, it, it hit me. It hit me because when I left school, I was only leaving because I was given a kind of record contract. I was able to pursue my dream, mm-hmm. so. I left, for, that was my dream, so I had to go for it. But, you know, it was a conflict there because I felt like I was disappointing my mother and like, you know, and I didn't know if this was gonna work out, but I had to walk out on faith. 
and to be able to come back 20 years later uh, and say, man, I'm, I'm getting an honorary doctorate and to be able to speak at the graduation. And I was really celebrating, like, to see black families, all like uncles, aunts, cousins, all just so happy to see that, you know, their family member graduating, walking across that stage. It just, you know, it all brought everything full circle for me. Did anybody publicly hate on you for that? Like, man, he didn't even graduate. He left. Hey, my mother, my, hey, my mother, she didn't hate on me, but she was like, hey, you know, like, look, you know, I got a real doctor. But basically <laughs> what my mother was telling, you know, she hit me real quick with a little, you know, see, my mother, she the type, she, she definitely support me like 110%. I'm a son. I'm a, I'm a mother's boy. I'm a, I ain't, I ain't gonna front on that. But she's still the one that challenges me too. Like, she ain't like, you know, just letting things go by. She like, you gotta really be good at it. Or she gonna tell me, ah, oh, that, that speech was good, but that wasn't, it wasn't great. Or, man, your performance was aight, but you should, you know, she got her, her takes on things. And I respect it because when I do excellent, she like, now that was great. That was incredible. So, you know, I love her for that. She hit me with a little shot, but that, you know, she was really happy overall. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangsta rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangsta rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that Gangsta Rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, 
It's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Well, I was going to ask uh, really quick, um, your name, Common Sense, would you say education played a part in that in your rap style? And Because I, I read that you started off as Common Sense, but then uh, with the band or something that had it, and then you had to just yeah. go with Common. Well, I definitely feel that Common Sense was a name I chose because I was thinking about being thoughtful, like thinking about what common sense is. Like I wanted to represent thinking. I wanted to represent something that was like, really common sense is something we all should naturally have. But my mother even used to say to me, look boy, use your common sense, use common sense. And you know, I was just looking for a name at the time when I chose the name common sense was, I was looking for something that was unique, something that was different but I still felt good that when I came up with common sense that it felt everyday because people would use, use that phrase in everyday talk. And when that band end up, ended up having the same name, I was pissed off. I was salty because I was like, man, how y'all going to take my name? I was, I was just establishing myself. It's like, right. you know, you the names you, cho- you choose for yourself and you start building it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like they basically filed a cease and desist order so I couldn't have my records on the shelves for a second. Wow. It just, and you know, when you early, I was early in my career, so I'm really trying to establish myself. And it was at a time when my second record was actually getting out there. So, you know, it, it affected me emotionally and mentally, but then, and I had to change the name just to Common. But it's amazing how the divine order works because Common, like, became even more something I could embrace. I, at first I was mad, like, man, I'm Common. What? And now I'm like, Okay, that just feel like every day people feel like it's a it's a nickname that they can just say, yo, Common, Common, what up? You know, yeah. it just feel closer to actually who I am. Like, I, re- I feel like I represent the everyday person, the everyday people. I was definitely going to ask, like, do you even think that you would have kept the entire name, that, that you would have kept since, you know, 10, 15 years down the line? I, I doubt it. You know how people drop the little? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I would have been like, ah, I need, but, but, um, it's what I, what's amazing is how, the, you know, sometimes things you look at that you think is so terrible, because at the time I thought it was the worst thing ever, mm-hmm. you know, could turn out to be a blessing. So I kind of eventually got that lesson out of it. Once I got out of being mad, I was ready to whoop, whoop them. There was a band. There was a, a band out in California. I was like, man, I was <laughs> ready, ready to go out trip. there. Yeah, I was ready to take a trip, man, because it was, it was, you know, it was just the beginning of me. Like, my first album didn't, I wasn't getting that recognition. So this was like the first time people started, like Notorious Big was like, yo, common sense is, yo, I like this and blah, blah. You know, different people were starting to notice me. So I'm like, man, I can't change my name now. Well, going back to the HBCU hallways as this phenomenal artist, like did people know about your talent while you were in school? You know, some people did know that that I rapped. because they would always like, we'd have barbecues, we'd be kicking it. 
and they'd be like, yo, Rashid, freestyle, do that rhyme, do this, you know, so, and even like, my roommates, I they told me, I didn't even remember this, but they told me I would lock myself in the room for like two hours a day and just work on raps. They couldn't bother me, it, don't, it didn't matter what girls was over there or nothing, I'd just be like, I'm working on raps. It was that type of focus. So people did know that I was rhyming, even in high school, I was, I would, I was writing rhymes and, and rapping in gym and things like that. But I wasn't like, you know how you could be locally known and performing mm -hmm. at a lot of places in your, in your city and people know you and you got a little joint on the radio. Yeah. I didn't get that type of recognition, but you know, but I still, you know, people in, at college definitely knew that I was rhyming. I'm the best rise. So did no, you quick. have like the HBCU experience? Did you get to, did you party? Did you care to party? Did you oh, go to homecoming? Wait, 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 which, which HBCU did you go to? I didn't go to an HBCU. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Unfortunately. Well, I was about to say, uh, uh, but, yeah. but I do want that experience. I'm going to see if, if one will let me just come hang out for like a week. I want to be in the dorm. I want to eat in the cafeteria. I want to do the whole thing. The reason, the reason why I asked was because, uh, and you should do that. I hope you do that. But know. the reason why I asked was because if you had an HBCU, you gon' party. You gon' kick it. You gon' go to the set. That was our place where we hung out. Like every day, you hang out. It's it's a place like, you know, we down here in Atlanta right now. You know, Clark Atlanta, the AU Center, the Atlanta Center. You know, they got places where people just kick it. So I was, I was kicking it. I was going to hoop. I was going to music. You know, different artists was coming down there performing. Mm -hmm. National artists. I was going to the, you know, to the sorority and um, and fraternity parties. Then my roommates started throwing throwing barbecues. We had man, we was having, yo, I had the best time of my life. And then, and then, still got busy on the on the work too. So mm -hmm. that was the balance. Did you ever want to be a part of a fraternity? You know, I considered it for a second, but because my father was a kappa. But I really, in my heart, didn't think I was going to ever be a part of a fraternity. Um, you know, when, when people approach you, sometimes you kind of like, let me think about it. But after, you know, it was like, it was at a time, too, where I was I was listening to so much conscious hip-hop, KRS-One and Public mm -hmm. Enemy and Eric B. and Rakim. I used to, f I believed that philosophy. Mm. Like, I ain't Greek, I'm Black. So I kind of just took that and went with it. Plus, I never felt that I wanted to go through the process to be down with something, you know, like to be to be down with a crew. I needed to go through that process. At least definitely I didn't feel like I wanted to do that to be down with a fraternity or sorority. But I definitely now understand why they do it and those that are passionate about it. And I respect it because ultimately some of the, the street organizations I was down with, we went through a process anyway. So in Chicago. So it's like, regardless of anything, you still may go through a certain process. But for me, I just had, didn't have the, the heartfelt desire to be a part of a fraternity. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Got you. We can talk about HBCUs for 100 years, but we know that your time is limited. So I just want to ask you if there's anything that you can say to someone to encourage them to choose an HBCU, what would that be? I would say it would be probably one of the the greatest and most enriching experiences you would ever have. It's a way to to give back to to your community of black colleges, but also you're gaining. You're gaining like a lot of things that you wouldn't experience um, going to a predominantly white college. And I've sat with, with students who are part of my Common Ground Foundation and and some who have attended HBCUs and some who attended predominantly white colleges and talked about the difference in just the being recognized on campus as far as like by your, by the staff, by the faculty and the way the teachers approach you, professors approach you is just a different approach on the HBCU. And, it, and I think it's something to be said about 
celebrating black culture um, and and lifting that up and being able to take that into the world. It's like we can we should be able to do that and and nobody should be offended. Nobody should feel like they less than or whatever. But HBCU will build that and nurture that in you. And, um, you know, they're going to look out for you overall, you know. So I think it's, it's, it's well worth it to attend the colleges. And all you great students, people, athletes, think about HBCUs. Yes, yes. Now, we can't let you go without talking about your upcoming project. Please just give us a quick 60 seconds, whatever you want to okay. say about it, and then we will let you go. Okay. It's a beautiful revolution. Part one is the name of the project. I made this music to be something for these times, like movement music, you know, a la Bob Marley and, and Kendrick and, and, you know, Nina Simone. Um, it's, it's soulful, it's spiritual, it's uplifting. It's speaking to the times, but it's really there to inspire. Um, I have song, a, a song, Say Peace, which is coming out tomorrow, featuring Black Thought. Um, this artist, PJ, incredible artist, did a, a lot of the choruses. We collaborated on a lot. Stevie Wonders plays harmonica on a joint. Um, Lenny Kravitz and I got a song together called A Riot In My Mind. But most of all, this music is is for these times. It's, it's, it's something that is timeless, it's for these times, and it'll uplift your spirit. If you're going out there to vote, play this music. If you're thinking about what what's the next mission that we own to change the world, play this music. If you think about taking care of your children or taking care of your family, play this music. If you've been feeling tired of whatever's going on in this world with, with the nonsense, with some of the political propaganda, play this music. It's a beautiful revolution, part one. Well, we thank you so much for joining us, Common. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything that you are to the culture. We love you for what you're doing with Go TV. Man, we just send you blessings, and we thank you again for joining the Baller Alert Show. Yo, thank y'all, Queens. Y'all, y'all super dope and lovely. Thank y'all for having me on here. Tell Ferrari, it's all good. Computers mess up sometimes, but it's all love. Get enough of Baller Alert? Follow us on all social media platforms at Baller Alert or log on to BallerAlert.com.